Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Higgins, and I am joined as always by my good buddy, Aaron Salvato. Aaron, how you good doing? Good to be here. Good to be here. Yes, I am so excited for this and I am quarantined, continued. I Just so to clarify, because last episode I said I was quarantined, I don't have the virus. But and you don't I suspect don't. yourself of having the virus. No, I'm not having any symptoms or anything. I seem to be fine, but I really don't want anyone that I know or love to get it, or I don't want to pick it up and give it to anyone. So I am at home. You too? That's where I'm at. I am still going to stores and going outside on bike rides and walks with my wife and things like that. We're not on 100% full lockdown. Yeah. The thing I wanted that to I've... Go- I wanted to go for a walk yesterday, but it was 90 degrees out. So I was like, no way, no way. That's crazy. Yeah. The thing that I, not the thing that I fear the most, that's not the right word for it. The thing that I would hate the most is having to look back on a week and say, okay, now that I think I might have this thing, who do I need to call and tell them they might have it too? Oh yeah. So that's the thing that I'm trying to avoid by my wife and I being a little bit more indoor. And we have plenty of Netflix to catch up on. And we have plenty of just relaxing to do. This almost feels like in the Old Testament, when you see that the land of Israel wasn't given its rest and God was like, don't worry, I'll get it its rest. Yeah. That's kind of what this feels like for America. Yeah. Or for individual Americans. Yeah. It's definitely weird. It's definitely strange. And I miss being around people so much. In fact, you could probably say that I am feeling a little bit of a lack of contentment in my life. Nice what a wonderful segue, segue, Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> so good. Yeah, today we are going to be talking about the issue of contentment and how it mm. hits our modern moment even outside of these specific challenges that seem to be all consuming right now, but then yeah. also looking at how it works with the things that we're facing with quarantine and isolation and all that. Aaron, this is something that I know this episode was your brainchild. This was something that you've wanted to talk about. And it's been really fun seeing Mm. your excitement for this particular topic. What has made this so interesting to you? Well, okay. The idea of contentment has been one for me and I know you too. It's been something on our minds lately. Our lives have been through a lot of changes lately that have kind of caused us to get thrown out of our normal comfort zones and into places that kind of breed discontentment and frustration and just waiting periods and waiting for things to happen. And, uh, you know, if I'm honest, contentment has kind of been like a constant struggle in my life. I, and I feel like this is everybody. Everybody goes through a roller coaster of ups and downs. Like if, if I could briefly give a synopsis of my journey with contentment, it would look like this. Phase one, you know, that's when I'm in school as a kid and just feeling alone, feeling like I didn't really have a good group of friends, feeling like there was no girl in the world who would ever date me or ever want anything to do with me. That's phase one. I know a lot of people deal with that. Uh, phase two, getting involved with entertainment. I was doing theater and plays and getting validation in that. I started a YouTube channel right at the beginning of YouTube that actually kind of blew up in a very kind of small way by today's standards, but back then it was pretty big. So just trying really hard to get fulfillment from that, but then still never feeling content. Phase three was uh, finding contentment in marriage and ministry. For me, uh, my wife brought so much peace 
and rest into my life and just that not having to struggle with trying to find somebody and feeling like I would die alone in a cave. So that brought a lot of contentment. Ministry, becoming a youth pastor for me was by far the greatest job I've ever had. And I loved it so much. And so that was a season of contentment. But then roller coaster, all of a sudden I'm right back into frustrations that my ministry wasn't as good as the guys who came before me. I would hear stories of how the the previous youth pastors at my church, you know, 10, 15 years ago in the 80s and 90s had 100 or 200 kids in the group and I had 30. So there was that. Um, and then there was a season of like genuine contentment and identity in Jesus, where as a youth pastor, I really hit a point where I was like, this isn't about me. I need to stop caring so much about growing the ministry numbers and just focus on growing people. And that was by far a very healthy place for me for many years until my recent life change, which has been this whole different, different complex roller coaster of contentment and uncontentment, which I know has been kind of your story too. And I'm sure we can talk about both of our experiences later on in the show. Yeah. I think one of the things that's so interesting about your particular life story is while it's specific to you, it doesn't feel like a very unique story. Not to say that you're not a unique and beautiful butterfly, but... You mean I'm not a special snowflake? You are, but your story follows a pretty widely relatable pattern. I know that I can Did you see yourself in any of that? For the most part, yeah. At Mm. least in terms of that rhythm of feeling like you won't matter, finding Mm. something that makes you feel like you matter, Mm. and then finding that those things that you wanted in your first round of discontentment, when you got them, they still weren't enough to be completely satisfying. It's like in our lives, we think, this is what I need. I need to go to college and graduate or seminary, or I Mm -hmm. need to get married, or I need to have a kid, and then I'll be content, and then everything will be fixed, and then I will be zen at peace. But then you get to that point, and you're like, oh, there's still something missing. There's still a hole in the heart there. It's it's tough. And, And for me, like I'm sharing my story in hopes that there's people out there listening and watching who can relate, because I know this is something that everybody deals with. Yeah, this isn't an isolated thing to any one person or one profession or hmm. any one, I think, social class or any way that we can divide people up. It doesn't limit the box to, oh, we have found now the group of people who are discontent. Yeah. And I think that whenever we bring up this idea of contentment, it feels a lot like when we bring up prayer in church. Mm -hmm. No one has ever listened to a message on prayer and thought, wow, I must pray a lot. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's ever happened. I think we always listen to prayer messages and just feel guilty that we don't pray more than we do. Yeah, so true. And it'd be so easy for someone to listen to this episode and walk away and just think, oh man, they're revealing how uncontent I am. There's something wrong with me. I need to become more content. And part of why we do that is because we do have so much to actually be grateful for. I remember one comedian had a bit where he talks about the technology of our day and how we Mm. just take it so for granted. And he he uses the line, everything's amazing and nobody's happy. Yes. And he hits on such a great point there. The things that we have in life, even I I think we may have even mentioned it. I don't know if we mentioned this on the last episode of the podcast or if it's just been coming up in conversations I've been having outside of it. 
But think about the way that quarantine would have been different even as recently as 15 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Last episode, we talked about that, where if we were dealing with this years and years ago, we'd be dealing with, we couldn't be video chatting. We couldn't be podcasting. We would have to be writing letters to one another and waiting for the postal service. We would feel much more isolated. So back then, when people dealt with things like the bubonic plague and other plagues, that's the only plague I know of, (laughs) but there's other ones. That's the big one. Yeah. But so, so much so back then they had so much to complain about and be uncontent about. And us, we're here literally talking to one another and we're still feeling the frustration. And even I think about, I've led a few different missions trips to Mexico and to Haiti and to the Dominican Republic. And one of the feelings that you get on a trip like that when you're face to face with genuine poverty, not not poverty of, oh, I couldn't get, I couldn't pay for Netflix on my own. So I had to use my parents' (laughs) password. Like when you're face to face with that genuine level of poverty, one of the things that everybody seems to leave the trip with is, wow, I have so much. I should just be satisfied. Right. And that's the only thing we really bring up when it comes to contentment. It's sort of like, um, so kind of a side note illustration. My dad hates the show Hoarders. You know the show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. If you don't know Hoarders, it's people, it's a show hoarding. about people. Yeah, it's people who hoard stuff. What okay, is hoarding? Uh, because hoarding, the Mongols, the Mongols used to hoard, but that was a whole different type of hoarding. It was more of like the ransacking and killing villagers kind of hoarding. This is, is that not real? that. Yeah. That's an actual thing? Yeah. The Mongol hordes. I think it meant just like big groups of warriors hoarding together, but it wasn't the actual so definition because of hoarding, they which were is... a horde, then whatever they did was hoarding? Let's Google that later, but okay. I, I have derailed the train. Give That's us fine. the real definition of hoarding. Well, I, it may not be the real definition. It may just be our modern definition. <laughs> definition. So let's hear it. The definition that I was meaning to speak to before we started talking about (laughs) Mongols, Mongols, such a good word. Yeah. Hoarding is when people refuse to throw things out generally to deal with some kind of emotional stress or trauma. And they wind up being buried alive for lack of a better term in Mm. a mountain of their own stuff. And there's all sorts of hygiene problems that come with it. And like picture you go in someone's house and they just have stacks and stacks of old newspapers, old magazines, like just so like everything is just their couch is covered with piles and piles of just navigating the house gets difficult. It's like a, a labyrinth of old forgotten things. Exactly. Good use of labyrinth. You've been mm. crushing it with the vocab today. Thank you. I used my flashcards before the episode started. So It worked, buddy. Best yeah, Christmas it, gift I ever bought you. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> but there's a show on TLC, like you would imagine, for any condition that seems like this, where they follow the lives of people who hoard things and try to help them throw things out. And they show you the strained family dynamics and they show mm. you the difficulty of what led to that person hoarding like that and all that. Mm. My dad can't stand the show. Why? Because he looks at it and is just kind of says, how do they not see this is a problem? For him, when he looks at the people in the show, he feels like you should just be able to ask them to look around the room and say, here's mm. the problem. How do you not see this? Right. And I bring that up because when we talk with people about contentment, 
we normally just bring up the things that we have that make the 21st century amazing. Mm. And we say, what do you mean? You're not content. You have electricity, yeah. you have running water, you have right. food, you have a refrigerator iPhones. in your house. You have all these things. What do you mean you're not content? And that's right. all that we ever really give by means of instruction for helping people towards contentment. And yes, I have all those things and I still feel bad inside. So what do I do yeah. with that? And and if we don't yes. dive deeper with it, we won't actually arrive at real contentment. Yes, absolutely. And I think that right now, this is a massive time to talk about discontentment because we absolutely. were talking about this episode for a long time. And then the quarantine happened, COVID-19 happened, everyone's world got turned upside down. I mean, when we started talking about this idea, it was kind of in the realm of, you know, this is something everyone deals with. You've got in the age of social media, people are constantly seeing other people live their best lives. People, you, you go on Instagram or Facebook and you see somebody with a better house, better clothes, somebody who's better looking than you, somebody who has better friends or, or the money to travel to exotic locations or, or skills that are better than your skills. And then quarantine hit and it was like, this is taking uncontentment to a whole new level. And even I've been seeing so many celebrities have taken to social media to encourage social distancing and wisdom in mm. the face of the current crisis that we're facing. Mm. And you'll see people responding with things like, sure, it'd be easy to stay at home if my house was like yours. Yeah, It'd be easy to enjoy quarantine if my family was as fun as your family was or whatever. Even have you seen Jimmy Fallon do his uh, Tonight Show from his house with his daughters? And his wife? No, I haven't seen that one. It's so adorable. It's like it, they're, his kids are so cute. They're totally like distracting and, and messing things up. And so it's mm -hmm. really fun to like see him get flustered like an actual dad. But he totally <laughs> loves his kids and involves them in it. And they're they're drawing little cue cards for things and art and singing songs. So it's really cute. But uh, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. You, we've got these celebrities and it's like, yeah, it's so easy for you kind of in your ivory tower to be content in this situation or even to, did you see the video of the different celebrities singing Imagine? That was rough. It was like Kristen Wiig, Will yeah. Ferrell. I love me some Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell and all these guys. I but do too. What the world doesn't need right now is to imagine there's no heaven. It's like, that's the thing that gives people hope right now. Yeah, I don't get the helpfulness of that particular line. One of the things even that's interesting about full shutdown is there's a lack of contentment in two different directions mm. kind of happening at the same time. One is everything is shut down. So there's discontentment that grows from I have nothing to do. I can't go out. I can't eat at my favorite restaurants. I can't hang out with my friends in these different public places. The mm. concert that I wanted to go to is canceled. And so there's all of this. My social life has totally shut down. I can't go meet up with my friends at a coffee shop or whatever. Yeah. So there's this restlessness that kind of grows on the side of all of my options have been taken away. Yeah. And at the same time, I feel like I'm hearing more and more about now's your moment to get stuff done. Right. So I was it's listening like... to a podcast. This was probably a week ago at this point mm. where they were talking about one of the hosts just kind of threw out there. If you were ever thinking of writing a book <laughs> and you can't get it done in quarantine, just give up because you're never going to get it done. Oh, that's terrible. Because not I everyone's in the point. same not everyone's in the same spot. I, I have been more busy since this happened because my job is I work for Calvary Global Network. And so we're just like 
Let's get resources out to churches and teach people how to live stream and teach people how to uh, do small groups on social media. So I, I've been working overtime since I'm just saying not everyone's in the same spot. Absolutely. And, and I'm in a point working at Calvary Bible College. I mean, no, this isn't, I may be overreaching. Maybe a lot of different <laughs> companies have found themselves in the same spot, but under normal circumstances, yeah. no business says, what if we completely reimagined who we were and we had to be done in seven days? <laughs> And that's what most colleges have had to do. They've had to completely reimagine. We are no longer an in-person learning experience. We are now an online learning experience. And and churches, same type of thing. Yeah, churches are in a very similar boat. So So I think we're in a place right now where because of all this franticness and confusion and frustration, there's a difficulty in being content because one, people can't see friends and family. They can't go out and eat. Uh, at the restaurants they love. Which um, is really what most of social life is anyway. Oh, yeah. That's 90% of what me and my wife do is go see friends and go to restaurants that we love. Um, I think and Jim then, Gaffigan talks about vacation is just eating in different places. Exactly. And exactly. he's so right. Right. So on top of all that, we've got then fear and worry and anxiety about family members and people potentially dying. I just yesterday found out about a pastor that got COVID-19, totally Mm. young, healthy guy, our age. Now he's on life support. Um, A missionary friend of mine in Ireland got it. Him and his wife did. Somebody's dad just died from it that I know in my, from my church. So just so many things happening. It's just, it's, it's a place right now where I feel like there's a lot of unsatisfaction with, with current life in the world right now. Yeah, no one is looking at this situation just being cheery and positive. Yeah. Everyone is feeling the burden of it. Everyone is feeling how, to some degree, we look at all the things that show us, oh, working at home is easy and available and has been an option for years. But for a lot of people, I know many people were working at home to begin with, but for a lot of people, this has been a rapid life change. Like Mm. they may have just been told on one given Friday, hey, come Monday, everything about your position is different. Yeah. That's really Really, hard for people to handle, especially when we have, like you're saying, all of these other burdens and pressures to continue thinking through. And we see all of these examples of people crushing it and yeah. living what seems like their best version of life, even while they're in quarantine. Yeah. And it's easy to think double if hard. only like I all, had all these stuff and yeah, even, even just, this is kind of petty, but have you seen everyone posting their workout videos, their pushups, how many pushups they can do? I haven't seen like a, how many can you do? I've seen a lot of see 10 pushups, do 10 pushups. And I got tagged in one of those and I didn't do them. <laughs> Not even like I didn't just do them for the camera. Like I didn't, I have not done a push-up since quarantine began. Me neither. Me neither. You know what though? My buddy, Caleb Donnelly, shout out to Caleb, had a brilliant idea where he filmed himself doing one push-up and then he just looped it 10 times. And I I thought that was great. I thought about doing that. (laughs) And I also thought that's pretty great job, Caleb. (laughs) Caleb is great. If if you knew him, you would love him. I already love him and I don't know him. We love you, Caleb. I also thought about making, because one of the things that you're seeing is everybody is doing these push-up videos of look at my amazing form and look how great I am at push-ups. Right. And I thought about going the other way and acting like like filming myself, but I'm Googling what just, a push-up is and I'm really bad at it. And like I'm sweaty like just from the idea. Maybe I'll still do it. 
Do it. Okay. Do, I'll do that. <laughs> audience, hold him accountable. Send him a DM. Where's the push up vid? John Manning, I'm going to respond to your push up Any, video. Anyway, but let's, I'm not let's gonna get the be train. good at it. Let's get the train back on track. I want to talk for a minute about the challenge that a lot of people are feeling directly regarding contentment in this situation. I think the average person is going through so much. I've heard from so many people that they've lost their job, their source of income. It's just everything is destabilized. It's very hard to it's very hard to feel content when you don't have security. For me, I'm self-employed. I, I moved from California to Oklahoma to do ministry. But as far as work goes, I've had to kind of support myself mostly through side jobs and through web design and graphic work and things like that. And there's been seasons where I didn't have work and it was so scary and it was so hard to feel contentment. So I know so many people are dealing with that. And I also want to talk about pastors and ministry leaders and what they're facing as well, because well, I mean, listen to, this is uh, Dave Lomas. He's the lead pastor over at Reality San Francisco. And he shared, this Great is from Bible his podcast. Teacher. Oh yeah, so good. He shared this uh, Reality San Francisco, shout out to them. They're doing a podcast called Reality Daily. And it's just encouragements every day, short 10 minute episodes about what we're dealing with in this crisis. So here's a quote from him. He said, right now it's hard. I had a little mini breakdown on Thursday night that lasted into the weekend. It may have started as I was trying not to look into the future as much, but remain firmly in the present. When I did that, I saw that things are actually harder and more sad than I allowed myself to realize. And I started to mourn, lament over the things we have lost in just a few short weeks, how we lost a real sense and the feeling of community, how we've lost the face of Christ in a hug or through the physical presence of someone. And I lamented the fact that the way I've always imagined church and the way I tried to practice embodied presence was kind of all out the window now. And now I was like a televangelist. Our media and technical staff, which is only three people, them and I had to create TBN in less than a week. So then not only was I lamenting what was lost, I was lamenting at what I had to become. And I was lamenting the thing I saw in my head on Tuesday, not working out by Thursday night at 6 p.m. I was telling people, you know, I felt like I was uh, replanting the church and where we were going to start church. The venue called on Thursday night and said, oh yeah, you you can't meet here. You're going to have to meet at your house. And so I had to like plant this church out of my house, which is like my biggest nightmare, by the way. That's such a good insight. And he's just being real. Yeah. You know, I mean, what he's dealing with. I hear that and you just can't help but be sad with him. Yeah. Just because of how honest that look is. So Dave Lomas, at the end of that episode, you should listen to it. Just so you know, he didn't end it on a sad note on that episode. He then brought in some of the things God has been teaching him and showing him how to how to review this and recenter himself in it. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, people knew no, the episode good. wasn't that's... wasn't Dave just saying everything sucks. He wasn't just saying I'm sad for ten minutes in a row. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate the realness and honesty, and I think we can relate. I know I heard a lot of people talk about maybe this is going to lead to the future utopia. Mm. So it seems like life has been moving towards you can do more stuff without interacting with people. Mm. You can get your groceries. You can order 
the silly things that you don't really need, but you like them and they're on Amazon. So you might as well order them. You can, now you can do your work. You can do so many different things online Hmm. that I remember hearing from different pockets of people. This is going to be the thing that leads to everyone recognizing, oh, my whole life could just be online. So why don't I do that? But it's been amazing to see no one's happy with that. Yeah. No one really feels satisfied with, oh, I'll move everything online and then I won't be around people. It seems like so much of what's coming to the surface in this is how much, even in memes, I remember seeing a meme yesterday that was something to the effect of once we get through this, we're going to throw the biggest Easter de Mayo fourth of like we're just mixing all the holiday names together that we're missing like we're just gonna throw the biggest party when all this is done because the idea is we so miss being around each other i'm envisioning uh those pictures of after world war ii where everyone's just celebrating in the streets and people are kissing people out of sheer joy and all that good stuff it's good to know that your vision of us getting through this is just a bunch of random kissing uh side note i found out that that picture of that soldier, that iconic picture of that soldier kissing that woman. He, it was not a couple reuniting after the war. It, it was just a soldier who grabbed some random girl and basically forced a kiss on her and she was not happy about it. So next time you look at that picture, I hope that it's ruined for you is all I'm trying to say. (laughs) Did you just me too that soldier? I did. I did. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway. This is a dark episode. Yeah. Very dark. Here's what I want to bring it back to. I want to talk about for a second, kind of something that relates to creatives, content creators and and pastors and people in ministry. Everybody is doing stuff online. Everybody is streaming things online. And I think that I saw something the other day that really resonated with me. So there's a YouTube channel called The Future. For me, it, it's a, basically a design channel. It's spelled F-U-T-R. And they are amazing. Like they basically got me through the last two years of running my own design business. And um, one of their guys, Matthew Encina, put out a video called The Truth About Your High Expectations and Your Creativity. So Matthew Encina shares his personal story of fighting against his own bloated expectations of himself and ways to look at things differently. Are And then he says, are you who everyone expects you to be? Why do we hold such high expectations of ourselves? Where do expectations even come from? And why are creative people especially unhappy? So here's the seven-step process he lays out, and I want to know if this resonates with you. This is the, the, the journey of going through something creative. So if you're someone listening to this and you're an artist, you're a video maker, you're a photographer, or if you're a pastor and you're putting things online, you're recording a devotional, you're putting out a podcast, you're streaming a sermon, this is the, the seven steps. How to set yourself up for disappointment. Step one, scroll through the internet and get inspired. Step two, stop and think, hey, I can do something like that. Step three, pour your heart and soul into making that thing. Step four, post it. This is going to be the one that blows up. Step five, wait for all of the likes and amazing feedback on your work. Step six, get disappointed in yourself, begin to doubt your skills, resent spending all that time on the project. Step seven, stop trying all together. 
Does that resonate with you at all? Did you tell him how we make the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I, that was the inspiration I just laid out for him. This is what we go through every episode and basically That's how everything it feels. We do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I completely resonate with that. One of the things that I really love is quotes about writers on writing mm. and they're all really grim. Like one, I forget where the quote came from, but, and it's probably an adaptation of something that's just kind of moved down through time. But when I talk to people about writing, I said this within the last three months to someone, I forget who, Mm -hmm. but I said, writing is really easy. I just open a word document and I type until I hate myself. (laughs) And that's, that's writing. That's what you do. There's an old sports writer that uses the phrase, he says, writing is really simple. I just sit down at my typewriter and I open up a vein. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is how the process goes. It involves so much discontentment and so much being upset with yourself. Yeah. That's literally been the story of my entire life. I feel like I've always been someone who really enjoys creating but I, I wish that I was in a position where no matter what I did creatively, people would flock to it and, and appreciate it because then it makes it all worth it. But so often I do something and I put hours into it and then I put it out and I, it, you know, it's like five likes or, you know, 20 views or something. And it's interesting. I feel like even more so in this online world, it it is much more of a problem because I remember hitting a point with my youth group where there was 20 to 25 to 30 people that I could count on would be there every week. And I reached this point of contentment where I wasn't like, I hope it's 50 this week. I hope it's 100. I was like, I've got these 20 to 30 people that God has put in my life to steward. And I'm content with that. And I'm not going to want for any more than just to be the best pastor I can to them. And I would show up and and I would interact with them and I would leave just very full of knowing like I've done what I'm supposed to do. I love these people. But with social media, it's like there's this feeling that if you don't hit a certain level of likes and views and comments, then it wasn't worth it, which just isn't true. Yeah, but it's so hard to look at especially to look at groups that have more views, more likes, more comments, more responses. Oh yeah. Because it's easy to feel when you just look at the quality of the work. Sometimes you look at, I'm a very competitive person by nature. Yeah. So sometimes I'll look at what we're putting out with this podcast and I'll look at other podcasts that I know are doing better in terms of metrics. But maybe the production level isn't as yeah. high as ours or, and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. You know? Yeah. Like we, we're we putting deserve- out a better product. Yeah. Like it's easy to start thinking that. And then where I know I need to really be careful is mm. I can then show up to these recording sessions saying, okay, today we're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going to, we're, this is going to like, uh, which step was it? It was step four, post it and think this is going to be the one that yeah. blows then- up. Multiple times we've recorded all the likes and feedback to roll in. Yeah, I think that that's the loop that I live within. And then I'm just too delusional to get disappointed when people are actually listening to it. Can I can I ask you a very personal question? Sure. Just because I think people will be able to relate to this on days when you post content, whether it's this show or your other show, First Time Bible Teacher or something that you've written an article for somewhere 
how often do you find yourself getting on your phone to check and see if there's been any reaction to it? <laughs> I'll give you a perfect <laughs> example. Um, okay. <laughs> the, we're recording this on Friday the 27th. Yeah. I don't know if this is going out today, but you may not be listening to it on what our version of today is. You're listening to it in your version of right. today, which is probably you're, a different day, but you get how time timeline. works. Yeah. You've been yeah. living for a while, so... You know how time works. You've you've got that down. <laughs> Yesterday, the 26th, Aaron told me that our episodes were going to start being promoted. Is that the right word? Published? Posted? Posted. That's a better word. Yeah. They're going to be posted on calvarychapel.com. And we thought that was really cool. That was exciting. And we yeah, were... calvarychapel.com is like the mothership website for the church network that Brian and I are a part of. Yeah, we're, this is a production of Calvary Global Network. And yeah. that's the website that kind of hosts all these different things. And you told me that. And the first episode was posted there yesterday. And I checked at least 10 times through the day <laughs> just to see if the numbers were rising. Yeah. And the weird thing is when the numbers are rising, that encourages me to check it more. It's like you get that dopamine hit where it's yeah. like, oh, I want more of that. And I'm like, ooh, now the next time I open this app, it will <laughs> also have risen by the same amount, even though yeah. last time I waited seven hours to check it. And now I'm going to wait seven minutes to check it. Yeah. But then the other part of it is hmm. if the numbers aren't rising, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I start <laughs> blaming the app. I'm like, Anchor must just be doing a bad job at tracking. Yeah. The I've listens. done that before. Like maybe the metrics just haven't come in yet instead yeah, of they're just, just facing I'll the just reality. Give it a minute. And then that makes me check more and more. Yeah, totally. The, there's been times where honestly I've, I've, cause I time track everything that I do. I have an app on my phone that I, anytime I do anything related to my work, I have different categories and things. And there's, I have a category called social media engagement. And there's been days where I posted stuff where I've gone back and looked and I'm like, I spent like two hours that day checking the metrics on things. That is such a waste of time. I want to reach a point where I get to so much Zen where I can just post something put it out and just if I check a week later and see what happened, that's fine. But I definitely think that this is the air that we breathe right now. And it's not healthy. Like it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for me. We need more contentment in our life. I This is something Matt said, the guy who made that video with the steps. He said, here's the problem I think many of us face. Our expectations become so inflated because of the success of past experiences. I can relate to that. You know, the YouTube channel that I did, I'm not going to give the name of it because it's kind of embarrassing. But back then we used to get, sometimes we get 20,000 views on a video. Sometimes we would get a uh, hundred comments or something. So that's, that lives in me. Like that reminder of that stupid YouTube comedy channel that I did, which was a lot of fun. But it's like, I want that same thing to be happening with this because I find this so much more important what we're doing is it's, it's spreading the gospel. It's Christian thought. So anyway, Matt continues to say, we get fixated on an imaginary projected outcome that we don't leave any room for failure or learning. We end up feeling disappointed in ourselves when we fall short of our goals. These experiences can scar us. Eventually we stop trying altogether because we change our mindset and it slowly shifts from being fearless to being fearful. It's good. So good. Yeah. Especially that last little bit of being fearful when you're making content and you're not feeling that good response. It's so easy to start shifting to, well, let me just try to do the stuff that I think will make people happy. Mm. 
instead of let me do the stuff that I think I'm called to doing. And those are two completely different places to start from. Absolutely. I just want to give briefly some Christian perspectives that I feel like God has taught me over the last couple of years that really help with this. One is all work is for Jesus. So we should always be playing to an audience of one. Yes, we want to reach people. Yes, we want to help people. But we also have to remember that the the work that we do is worship. Like... (laughs) If, if Evan Wickham writes a worship song, that's obviously worship. That, that fits those worship categories. But we need to remember, this is kind of weird. I've never thought about this before. But let's say you and I have this discussion. We record it. We're thinking through this stuff. We're encouraging one another. And let's say we put this out and no one actually ever clicks on it. And all that happened was just a conversation between the two of us. The crazy thing is it's still worship. It's still worship because we are preaching to one another, reminding one another about the contentment that we need in Jesus and not in our own self. And I think people need to be reminded of that. You know, did David think his Psalms as that he wrote as a shepherd would be seen by millions of people? No, he wrote them for God, not for likes and follows. I think we need to remember that, you know, we are enough because Jesus says we are enough and that God is an artist and so when we are creative or, or you know, I don't want to always, I, I, I always kind of favor creatives because I'm a creative. If you're listening to this and you're not a creative and you're, you know, I don't, you just have a very basic work with your hands kind of job that is glorifying to God. It, creativity is glorifying to God and, and hard work and, and just doing our job is glorifying to God because one, God is an artist, he's a creative, and he's also a hard worker who works with his hands. And so whatever we do, we need to do it for the Lord. And the last thing I'll say on this is that we have no idea how many people are actually being impacted deeply by what we're doing. And quite often it's people that who won't ever say anything to us. Like, so you're doubting the fruit but it is there. And occasionally, graciously, God allows us to see the fruit. That I'm sure that happened to both of us in youth ministry where there were seasons where we thought that nobody was listening to our sermons. And then that one kid would be like, hey, that what you said there changed my life. And in the same way with Good Lion, there's been so many times since we started this show and this network, this podcast network, that I've been thinking this is so much time and effort, but is it really worth it? Because I can't tell if it's impacting anyone. And then I would get a message from someone saying, hey, thank you so much. That episode of that guy's show that came out yesterday literally changed my life. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for you guys doing what you do, I wouldn't have found it. And so that's just some, some thoughts on that. Yeah. One of the things that is fun for me to look back and see a little bit is thinking through the times where I have been in my deepest despair, I guess. I don't know if that's even the right word, but in my deepest moments of self-doubt, wondering no one's hearing these messages, no one's listening, no one's being affected by them or anything like that. Hmm. In those moments, I can look back and see times later where students would tell me, hey, I remember that message you taught way back when. And I'll think back on the timing of it and I'll be able to say, wow, that was right in the middle of a season where I thought I'm doing nothing to change anyone. And I was doing it. I just wasn't hearing that feedback. But that doesn't mean 
things weren't happening and growth wasn't occurring and people weren't being blessed and changed and moved closer in their relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So it's so easy to get caught up in if there, there are only results if I see that there are results. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think too, something that's really important to remember is it's really easy for us to speak from the perspective of pastors because you and I have been in pastoral ministry for years and then creatives because we both have had kind of very creative careers in, in different ways. But I want to also acknowledge the people out there who are Christians in ministry, because I really think every Christian is called to be in ministry, but they don't work at a church or like, I'll give you an example. There's a guy, I'm going to give a shout out to him. His name's Austin, and he's a part of a community group at a church that I go to. And he works a normal job and he helps as one of the leaders in this community group. And yesterday he called me just to check on me and say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? And it was so sweet. This is a guy who's, you know, he's younger than me. And yet he's taken the time to reach out to me and see how I'm doing. He was calling everybody in the community group to just check on them. And that is so the heart of God. That is so ministry. But I feel like for people who, you know, they're not, they don't have that platform where it's like, hey, I'm pastor and I'm doing something pastoral right now. It's probably even more so hard for them uh, to struggle with the feeling of, did that phone call really make an impact? Did that conversation really make an impact? When God told me to pray for that person and I did, did that actually make an impact for the kingdom? I'm sure there's the same self-doubt that we feel. They probably feel a ton too. Yeah. Self-doubt is one of the most universal experiences. I, I hate think. It. it. I hate it too, but it's it's part of being human and longing for significance. Yeah. Whenever you long for yeah. anything, you wonder whether or not you've actually achieved it. Yeah. And you wonder how long you'll be able to keep it for. Yeah. Literally every everything we've ever done with Good Lion, I have self-doubted and had one half of my brain say, this is a cool idea. And the other half said, this won't work. It's terrible. It'll fail. It'll be a ton of work with no payoff and you're terrible and you should give up. And that's what that those are the two voices that are in my brain almost with everything I do in life, if I'm honest. And I think that's a really helpful, honest look at it. Hey, thanks for listening to part one of our conversation on finding contentment in quarantine. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, stay tuned for part two coming out soon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. We hope that this yes. encouraged you and hopefully yes. calmed some nerves and maybe gave you a little bit of a better framework for processing through all the different things that we're all feeling together. Whether you're listening from your home or wherever you are, we just want you to know we love you and we care about you and we are so happy that this show is making a difference in your life. If you like our show, if you like our show, listen. What? Great. <laughs> if you like our show. If you like our thanks. show. Great. If you like our show, take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. Seriously, it helps so much. We need more reviews. I've been saying this every episode. We need your reviews. Give us your reviews. You have nothing else to do. Review it. You have nothing else to do. You're sitting at home. You're eating Cheez-Its. Give us a we review. We don't even need good reviews. Just reviews. Give us a bad Say review. Say whatever you want. We won't call you Worst out in the next episode. Worst podcast ever. If you want to help the show, just go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review. Seriously, like give us some stars. It doesn't have to be four or five. If you want to do three, you can. Two is where I draw the line. If you give us one star, 
I will find If you, you give us one star, prepare to be talked about in the next episode. If okay. you have any questions, we would love to incorporate your feedback. You can email yes. us. It's goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. You can send us questions or ideas or wonderful drawings that you made while listening to the episode. Yes, yes. And also you can join that group chat on Instagram. Send a message to me or Brian or the Good Lion account at goodlion.io if you want to be added. The Good Lion podcast is a production of Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host. Brian Higgins, that's me. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that help people as they walk closer with Jesus. Check it out. The website is goodlion.io. It's got lots of great stuff. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io slash support. We should change that to goodlion.io slash no pressure. (laughs) It's true. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye. (laughs) 